Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Mizzou Sports Podcast, presented by the Columbia Daily Tribune. Welcome back, everybody, to a special edition of the Mizzou Sports Podcast. It's been a while. It really has. Uh, This is sports editor Chris Kwasinski, alongside social media manager and Tribune photojournalist Madeline Carter. It's been a day, besties. Let's talk about it. (laughs) Let's talk about it. The biggest news of the day and the month, perhaps the year for Mizzou. uh, Conzo Martin has been fired as the men's basketball coach. He's out after five seasons, a 78-77 record overall at Mizzou. Uh, Not a very sparkling record in the SEC. Uh, It's one of those things where you kind of wondered if this is going to happen really back in November after the team lost a 14-point loss to Missouri-Kansas City, a team that if you're a Mizzou, you should not lose to. Uh, I know a lot of discussions and rumblings began then, and now we've arrived. It's March. March Madness is around the corner, and Mizzou will spend its March Madness looking for a next head coach. Uh, Madeline, what are your initial thoughts? I think I have a lot of them. And I mean, you and I were discussing this before, but I think this was such a, a big move for the athletic director, Desiree, um, because I think there were a lot of people who were saying, well, she's friends with Conzo. You know, she found him and she brought him to Tennessee. You know, what does this mean for this? And I think a lot of people were trying to say that their friendship would keep them from this. But I think this is her saying, no, I mean business and I'm going to make this my own athletic department. Yeah. This is truly the biggest decision she's made since since coming to Mizzou. Uh, not even a year in in her tenure. I mean, uh, she started about a week before I moved to Columbia. So I mean, we both got here about the same time, and she's arguably made a, made a much bigger splash than I have. But uh, uh, but that but that's that's where we're at right now. You no, know, where we're looking at not only a significant and a seismic shift in college basketball where. Uh, there's a lot of programs out there looking for a head coach right now. There's Georgia, there's Maryland, uh, there, there's just, not to even mention all the mid majors, which are now looking to, which this, this head coaching hire is going to either create a domino effect or be a result of a lot of the domino effects that some of these, uh, higher level coaching hires will create. And uh, it, right now you, we're here to figure out which, which is it, you know, which is it going to be? Does Mizzou have, have someone in mind or does Mizzou take their time? You know, uh, these other positions like uh, Louisville and uh, Maryland have, have been open for months on end. Uh, I know Georgia just opened about a week ago. Um, but right now we're looking at uh, we're looking at a seismic shift and we're looking at a seismic shift with Desiree. This is truly her first spot. And really, when it comes to Desiree, 
if you're in her shoes, you know what what kind of splash are you looking to make? Is it do you want someone that's going to come in and be experienced, or do you want someone that's going to be here for the long haul? Do you go for the hot name? Well, I think if anything, this fire and then of course Tom Crean's fire has proved you know, a lot that we already knew about the SEC, which is that the SEC is really, really, really tough to coach in. I mean, I grew up watching Tom Crean at Marquette. I'm from Milwaukee. And, you know, he's a Marquette Hall of Fame coach. You know, he brought, he turned Dwayne Wade into who he is. He turned Jimmy Butler into who he is. But that doesn't mean that, you know, you're automatically going to do great in the SEC. You have to be another breed of good for the SEC. Just like, you know, Conzo is a he's a great coach and a great man, but I just think that this is not a fit for everyone. Which brings us, I think, to that whole controversial talk about, you know, are they going to bring in Kim English with, you know, one year under his belt at a mid-major school? Yeah, at George Mason. I mean, there's a lot to to dissect specifically with that. And I know we're going to come back a little bit to that and circle back when we talk about potential replacements. But uh, I mean, when you talk about the prevailing thought, which is two things can be true at the same time. One, Konzo is a great person. Like you talk about someone who has incredible grace, who has come from uh, a, a dark place. I guess you could say a dark place in, in East St. Louis, where he grew up to uh, overcome a cancer diagnosis as a player, which effectively ended his pro career. Uh, to to leading men, to creating college players, which went on to be great players, to go to a Sweet Sixteen at Tennessee, to to leave that situation. I knew that it wasn't great for him to go to Cal to make that to make that a great place. I mean, he uh, recruited Jalen Brown, if I'm not mistaken, who is now with the Boston Celtics, and then came back to Missouri to the SEC. So, I mean, you're talking about someone that has that grace. Uh, even helped out Coach Drinkwitz in recruiting Luther Burton. How many basketball coaches would go out of the way to do that? I mean, he could easily just say, hey, this is my program. You worry about your program, worry about mine. But he went out of his way to do that and cement the football program and you you can't say enough about that. But at the same time, the other side of that is it just wasn't a great fit for him. Well, and I think um, the thing that I've been kind of hearing from some student athletes who are not at Mizzou but in other places that I know is just that these coaching, you know, these firings are really, really tough on the student athletes. You know, the grief doesn't just end with – well, this coach, you know, lost his job, you know, that grief carries over into it's hard for the staff, it's hard for the students, it's hard for the family. And I think sometimes, you know, sports fans, we can be a little overdramatic. And I think that um, people tend to lose sight of that, that this is a hard thing for not just him to deal with, but for now all of his students. And, you know, there's a lot of worry now over, you know, is Kobe staying, is Javon staying, Um so, I mean, that's a whole new issue. That yeah. No, it, it really is. And you, and you bring up a great point of uh, well, Mizzou fans have been through this not, just a year ago, coming out the NCAA tournament, seeing a mass exodus of players. Uh, Xavier Pinson being one of them who had a, a pretty big hand in ending Mizzou's season the other day. I mean, in the I SEC mean, tournament. He blew a kiss to the Mizzou marching band yeah. after drilling down a three. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, and a lot of people, were, I remember they're asking Will Wade after the game, like, did this mean anything more to, to Exton? Uh, maybe, and I know they asked him that before back when in February when the two played it, but and they kind of said, well, 
but you know i didn't you know didn't see anything different but there's uh, there's got to be a point where you say like yeah of course it did of course it did he's a competitor he's a guy that uh that that wants to win and to beat the school that you were at i mean that's something else and uh so he had a hand in that and you just saw the a year's worth of developments coming to a head here and now we're here i mean you you can look at the first year and the second, or excuse me, the first year, and then last year as well, going to the NCAA tournament, and they kind of say, well, you know, the, the success is there. The success is there if you give them the time and if you give them the patience. Uh, and I think that can be said uh, for the first year too. I mean, he comes in off the Kim, uh, the uh, Kim Anderson years, and really turns everything around. I mean, Michael Porter Jr., Jonte Porter, uh, 20 wins in an NCAA tournament berth. And obviously, Michael didn't play very much that year, only, I believe, 60 minutes out of an entire season, um, unfortunately. But he still revitalized excitement in Mizzou basketball. And and I can ask you this, is how important is that excitement? I do not think the SEC is a place where you want to be mediocre at anything. Um and I have heard it put very bluntly by some Mizzou fans that we do not want to be the Vanderbilt football of SEC men's basketball. So you can do with that analysis or <laughs> as, as you will. Yeah, no, but it's a great point. And um, honestly, you don't really have to look very far. You could just look at photos of the seats. You could look at Mizzou Arena throughout SEC play as well. You could see the apathy starting to set in. And uh, it's, it's a bummer, too, because, I mean, the, uh, obviously, you don't I don't know if this was a result of him having success right away, you know, getting a Michael Porter and and going to the tournament his first year. And then people expecting, hey, like this should be an every year occurrence, which in the SEC, you, you can make that argument that you should always be a contender for the tournament in every single year, no matter what. I mean, you look at Texas A&M with Buzz Williams this they, I believe, lost eight games in February, go between January and February, one to Mizzou at home. And now they look like they're about to make the NCAA tournament after beating Auburn in the SEC tournament. So you think about just the expectations that carries. And and when it comes to this head coaching position, obviously the history is there. You have Coach Norm Stewart, I mean, someone who I, I remember talking to, a former player of Norm, and I called him Norm. I said, well, you know, Norm put this expectation of you was for the Kansas rivalry actually and and it, he stopped me and it was Corey Tate stopped me and said Chris I have to stop you you don't call him Norm you call him Coach Stewart and I was like I'm sorry I'm so sorry I didn't mean to do that but 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 that's but that's part of it is there's that history there's that background and that expectation has been set how important is that expectation in this coaching search I mean it's important for multiple reasons but um another thing that you kind of have to keep in mind is, you know, Mizzou is already in the red with their finances. So number one, that's going to impact their coaching search. But number two, um, you know, you lose a lot of money when you don't have fans selling out that arena and you bank a lot on hoping that they will come and do that. And, you know, we saw that with Auburn. We saw that in maybe what the first game of the season, but we never really saw anything like that since. And so, you know, this was just kind of one of those things where it was, well, do you keep him and maybe run the risk of going into more red because your academic or because your, sorry, your athletic program isn't doing well, it isn't performing. And so you're just going to keep progressing into that red. And the flip side of that is, well, you look at what he's been able to do in one year 
it coming here, flipping everything around. And you see the players he has coming in with Christian Jones, a combo guard who that's an athletic player who he could be maybe looking at to run the point. Maybe he could have recruited a point guard to come in in the next couple of months. He's got Aiden Shaw, four star forward coming in, which is immediate help in the post alongside Trevor Brazil that you talk about that player that's that's become a cornerstone. And and maybe if he's still here, he convinces Javon Pickett to come back for another year. You don't know that Javon's still on his fence. Does he come back? Does he transfer to another program? Does he just call basketball quits as a whole like that's his decision to make and that's something we'll find out in the next couple of weeks uh maybe in the next month or so but i mean this is this is where we find out what mizzou is is perceived as because not just talking about the louisville hire but also the maryland opening too uh coaches are going to look at this program and, and say like well do i prefer to coach at louisville or maryland or mizzou and if they pick either of them or Georgia. Or Georgia, excuse me. It, you have to sit back and go, well, how do we change that? And obviously, I think how, a way to change that is to keep the players you have. I mean, Brazil, I mean, is one of those players that you saw, that we saw, everybody saw, not just improve, but improve massively over the course of the season. Well, and the, the thing, the Trevon Brazil news that we got today was, you know, right after this firing, there was a really sweet um, tweet from... Um, the student managers for the team and you know they thanked Conzo for everything um but Trevon hopped on Twitter and said just want to see something real quick M-I-Z and you know you've got fans just flooding his mention with Z-O-U um I'm looking at it now and it's got like over a thousand likes and it's this photo of him you know getting ready for a game um so I think that was one way to squash any wonderings about you know is he going or is he staying um so i don't know (laughs) yeah it is comforting you never know until you know the official word gets put in but at the same time it's it's nice to see that especially from a player that gave you a lot of hope and i remember um in february asking you know what what do you have to do to get better and he really just bluntly was just like well i gotta stop playing around the perimeter i gotta be in the post and you gotta get bigger and that's a player that you know the the talents there, if the skills are there, a, a coach can can coach uh, you know getting bigger and adding that. And now, I mean, you just got to hope he stays. Well, and I mean, you really have to feel for these students and how much they have been through in the past twenty four hours. Because right before this firing today, um, there was reports that they traveled through the snow. They flew back through the snow when you know reporters who were at the SEC tournaments, they were getting their flights canceled today. And those students and Conzo still made it back just for the news to drop at, you know, 5 p.m. on a Friday that, you know, Conzo got back and he was fired. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's tough. And I do think a lot of the times you lose a lot of the empathy in sports. And this is not this is one of those times to remember, hey, we're all they're human especially the fact that he he put his roots here his kids went to Tolton I believe I mean you talk about his wife uh establishing a a go-to for other wives that have coaches yeah a support group and organization called uh married to the game she started that I think it was Tennessee and it was just the support group for other women who have you know their husbands are coaches um But the thing that I think kind of shocked a lot of Mizzou fans is I think it it was really hard to justify him staying with this point because, I mean, 
this was like the loudest feedback about a coach at Mizzou that I've ever seen. You know, I was here for when Barry Odom went out, and even that was the push to get Odom out was much, much softer than this. Um, but I think this, the timeline of all of this kind of shocked Mizzou fans because I think that while they kind of knew that this might be coming, they thought, well, oh, it'll happen, you know, after May 1st so they can get that softer buyout. But when we talked to a lawyer who, disclaimer, was my dad, um, you know, he broke down that contract and he looked at it for us. And I think we were surprised to find that, no, they could do this now. Yeah, it, and I think it's just it's also kind of a reminder for, I mean, not just sports, but for for everything, and, and that this is a business. I mean, this is very much so a business to where, not only are you going to find a way, or can you find a way to to get out, but to it's it's possible. And if you need to make a move, then you're going to have to make a move. And I mean, it stinks because uh, the one thing I always come back to is. Through my career and that kind of stuff, learning from coaches is that you know when I've talked to coaches, both high school, college, uh, pro level, you name it. I mean, it, there's always something to be said for when you can talk to a coach and they can break something down and you can actually come away with something. You know, it, there's a lot of coach speak out there. There's a lot of times when you talk to coaches, they say a lot of gibberish and jargon. We're like, I don't. That's not English to me. I don't know what you're talking about. But when it came to to Conzo, was one of those coaches that knew how to vocalize that and to put it into words. And I really appreciated learning from him. And that's something I'll always remember, especially with him being you know, patient with us and some of the media, some of the questions that we you continuously get, you know, why, why is this struggle? Why is this happening? Sometimes he didn't have the answer sometimes. And he was upfront with that. And, and when he did, he would explain it to us in a way that made sense. And then, uh, you know, I always appreciate that, especially with the coach it shows experience, but also shows grace. Well, and I think you were kind of saying, you said something today that was really well put. When we were talking about it, you said, you know, I judge coaches by how much I learn from them. Yeah, that's, it, I always kind of go back. My, my first job was being a sports reporter in, in Utah. And there's a, there's a coach out there. His name is Corey, Corey Nielsen. And he coaches a girls basketball team and uh, at Cedar High School. And he specifically talked a lot. Whenever I'd sit down with him, he'd open up this drawer and he'd pull out you know, notes on notes. And he, he'd say, I knew, I know exactly what's going to happen. And I know exactly what the other team is going to do. And I know exactly how to teach it. That's the mark of a great coach. And, and you saw that at times this year too, even with a bunch of transfers, a bunch of new faces, a bunch of new players that Conzo maybe didn't even get to know that, that well before he was fired just because he brought them in in his first year. There's a lot more learning for everybody to get to know about these players. And, uh, to, to the point where you saw it in specific games like I think the, the Auburn game is one of them uh, the Alabama game at home at Mizzou Arena where the game plan worked the game plan was effective to the point where he, they upset Alabama at home and then turned around and almost upset number one Auburn at home like that's the kind of stuff where you say like okay like it's there you can see it as palpable but it just wasn't consistent enough well, and, you know, I kind of mentioned this on one of our previous episodes, but, you know, when I'm on the floor and I'm photographing them, I can hear things that, you know, the fans and that you guys up in the press box, you don't necessarily hear. Um, and what's interesting to me is, you know, I've photographed a lot of preps games. I've photographed a lot of different teams from Kansas to Alabama. Um but I never quite heard anyone as frustrated with themselves and with kind of the direction that they were going in as these Mizzou players. And, you know, 
it's hard because you're in your early 20s. You're you're in college to really still work on your craft in basketball. Just because you know you're at a good school doesn't mean you have it all. Um, and just listening to them, you know, get frustrated with each other and get frustrated with themselves. They knew that it wasn't working, and I think that's really, really, really hard. And you know, you had one player transfer out this year in in the middle of the season. Frankly, like I, I was kind of shocked that there weren't more. Yeah, especially as things got more difficult. But uh, th- and that's also stuff that you can't control as a head coach, especially how you can't control injuries. I mean, through the rest of most of February, uh, as you played with eight players, and, and I mean, every time you'd ask you know, Kobe, Javon, in, in press conferences, you know, what what can you do? How do you acclimate to that? Is there any way? To, and they basically like, no, there's really not much you can do with eight players in practice in basketball. You need ten and. That was just part of the struggle. Maybe if it was different, things would be different. But this is just where we are right now. You know, we're going to take a quick break, a look at some of the sponsors, and then we'll come back to you with maybe an idea of who we think is going to be taking over here. You guys know as well as we do. Yeah. <laughs> We would like to thank our sponsors for the Columbia Daily Tribune's Mizzou Sports Podcast, University of Missouri Healthcare. University of Missouri Healthcare is proud to be the official sponsor of MU Athletics. Blue Events. Let Blue create the perfect event. Their passion for food, service, and presentation ensures that you will have a seamless and memorable event, no matter the size. They will work with you to bring your vision to life. Phyllis Nichols State Farm Insurance. There when things go wrong, here to help life go right. The Mizzou Sports Podcast is brought to you by Zaxby's, the home of handmade-to-order chicken, salads, and more than a dozen mild-to-wild sauces. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today. Follow Mizzou football with the Tribune's Tiger Extra newsletter. Sign up at ColumbiaTribune.com slash Tiger Extra for stories, galleries, and podcasts in your inbox every Wednesday, Saturday, and Sunday. And now, back to the show. Well, welcome back. We're still in the newsroom. It's almost nine at night, and we are in our pajamas because that is what it looks like when days like this happen. Yeah, there's really no other way. And this is—I mean—it's a live look at how the journalists deal with breaking news. Uh, when I first remember breaking one of like my first news stories, like way back in the day as a student journalist, I remember running around my house just being like, "Oh, what do I do? What do I do?" It's like, "Well, you're right about it. Stop it." And we did that today. Uh, and we've got two stories out in ColumbiaDailyTribune.com, and we'll have more as the weekend goes. Uh, but but for now, uh, we're going to circle back at the back end of this podcast, besties, with a little bit of... Yes! Uh, <laughs> uh, Madeline taught me that phrase, and uh, I'm going to stick with it. But um, we're, we're going to circle on the back end of this podcast with talking about just the idea of who, who, you know, who who's going to be coming in, who's going to be the next guy at Mizzou, and we have a, a, a list of, of uh, potential candidates that we published on Tribune.com, uh, ColumbiaTribune.com, that is. And now we're just start there. What do you think? Well, you were working on that for quite some time. So, you know, who did you find and, and who's of interest to you? Yeah, if you start anywhere, um, I mean, the, the, the place that I wanted to start was like the names of like, okay, Give them a call first. You know, you have to think about if you're a Mizzou and if you want to be respected as this national basketball brand, you have to think about names that either have had success at the college basketball level to a very high level 
or have you know, are experienced to the point where they're coming in, you know they're going to do a good job. And the two minds that, or the two names that came to my mind uh, were Kelvin Sampson at, at Houston, someone who has coached uh, myriad of places. I mean, Indiana, Oklahoma. And came back to have, I mean, a resounding career at Houston. I mean, he's taken them to the Big 12 to the point where, yeah, they're they're legit. They're they're for real. That's a big reason why Houston is going to the Big 12. But also, John Beeline, a former Michigan head coach, went to the uh, NBA and, and didn't really work out there. But we know as an established college coach, someone who's worked his way all the way from lower divisions to the Big 10. So that that's a person that knows. I believe between the two of them, there's over 600 some career wins. I mean, you can't argue with career success like that specifically. Well, so I mean, there were a few things that we were talking about today that I think would be you know worth bringing up, and that's that you know number one, you have to think about um, Mizzou's a Mizzou kind of has this weird obsession with bringing in really, really family-friendly coaches. You, we really haven't had anyone that controversial, or really at all controversial, um, which is interesting because now people are bringing up that they want to see someone like Sean Miller. Um, and I, I, I would love to hear your thoughts on that, and probably a little description for those who don't know, you know, what's going on there. Yeah, and for those who know Sean Miller, there's no like no introduction is necessary because you know him as the guy at Arizona that took the Wildcats to a pretty pretty solid run. I mean, this is a guy that uh, was at Xavier, came to Arizona as a three-time Pac-12 Coach of the Year in 2011, 14, and 17. Uh, he was A-10 Coach of the Year in 2008. It won the Pac-12 tournament three times. Uh, this is a guy that has had sustained success, especially at Arizona. He finished his tenure at Arizona with 302 wins. I mean, you don't really need to... The, the, the proof is in the pudding, as a lot of them say, but uh, you you can't really overlook the reason why he was fired from Arizona State. Uh, it was because of uh, the FBI investigations into him and into his program. And, and that's something where you kind of look back and you're like, well, do you want that? Do you want that associated with your program? And uh, he's been out of the game for a couple of years now. Uh, was fired after uh, the 2021 season. And uh, for the whole year, he's you know, just been just there. And that's a coach with obviously an impeccable resume. But do you really want the baggage that comes with that? Because when I, I mean, yeah, because when I look at, you know, someone like Larissa Anderson, Eli Drinkwitz, Barry Odom, uh, even Conzo, those are really, really family friendly coaches. That's someone where if I had a kid, you know, I'd feel comfortable with them looking at that person and be like, yep, that's my role model. Someone like Bruce Pearl, maybe not so much. And I think, you know, Mizzou has always kind of stayed away from the people who were kind of like the Bruce Pearls. Um, And I saw one Mizzou fan tweet today, you know, they were kind of talking about how Conzo Martin is a really, really good person. And when it comes down to it, he is a good coach. It's just a, you know, tough program. But they were really excited to see those two kind of things blend together because I think in sports, and especially in basketball, you don't always see that. You know, the good coaches, sometimes they're they're not really great people. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of that can be said. And there's always a connection, too. And when you talk about Bruce Pearl, he was a coach at Tennessee that when he got fired, that's why Conzo ended up at Tennessee was because of those specific investigations in the Bruce Pearl staff. And that's why when they started with Conzo, they, they wanted that guy. They wanted the guy, like you said, that's going to be that great image. 
I also just want to say, um, side note, I was not familiar with Bruce Pearl's um, personality before photographing him this year. And so when I got down to the court, it, I was, you know, a little bit out of it because um, I think some people may know I uh, put photographing games on pause for a little bit this season because I got long COVID from photographing a Mizzou game. Um, and that was my first game back. And I, you know, I came down to the court, I had my ice pack on my chest. I was like, okay, like, I just need to take it easy. And this guy's just screaming his head off at the, at these refs. I'm watching this ref, like just walk down the court being like, oh, it's going to be such a long night. Like you could just see it in his face. And I was like, oh, oh, okay. So this is that Bruce Pearl guy everyone is talking about. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that is Bruce Pearl. Uh, it's especially in a nutshell, that's, uh, but but that also begs in the question of like well at this point what do you value more which is do you value face do you value that grace in, in a program or do you value the wins because I mean you look at Auburn they locked him up for life he's a life contract Bruce Pearl does now at Auburn but many people thought okay maybe he'd be a player at, for the Louisville job because Louisville being that high profile sort of job too is to the point where you're like okay well a lot of people are going to want that job, especially not even 10 years ago. Rick Pitino was <laughs> Rick Pitino. There's another name that uh, won a national championship there beating Michigan. And so you, you talk about, you know, who do you want? Do you want a guy that's going to win games or do you want a guy that's going to have a great program? And, and Kanza was the guy that had a great program and he took teams to the NCAA tournament. But like you were kind of saying, like maybe it's sometimes it's, it's not a great fit and that's okay. Well, and I think, um, Another funny thing um, is that you'll kind of start to see like Lincoln Riley situations almost because, you know, someone brought up, you know, maybe we could get the coach from Drake. And I know earlier you were saying, well, people were kind of complaining and saying, well, he just signed an extension. Well, yeah, but a lot of people's end goals is to get to a place like the SEC. Like the SEC is an is absolutely an end goal for a lot of coaches. That's something that a lot of coaches would, you know, Brian Kelly it up and leave overnight and, you know, <laughs> an 11 minute goodbye and, you know, that's it. Yep. But would Mizzou really want a coach who does that sort of thing? Well, it really depends. Uh, and, and thank you for bringing up the, the Notre Dame to LSU thing because I'm still not over that. But anyway. <laughs> I'm sorry. It, it is what it is. Um, the, uh, the thing with with Drake, when you mentioned Coach Darian DeVries there, uh, a guy that just signed an eight-year extension to, to remain at Drake, a guy that's taken his team, at, not just to, to the NCAA tournament, but at an, as an at-large bid, to, to be a mid-major, to have a two-bid conference, like that's unheard of now, especially in this day and age where Power Five conferences rule everything and they're going to get the benefit of the doubt. And you saw a lot of mid-major teams that were probably deserving just don't make the tournament because, frankly, they're mid-majors. And this is a guy that's won a lot of games. He's taken Drake to the NCAA tournament. Maybe he gets another one, another at-large bid this year for the tournament, too, to the point where you go, like, that's a guy that can flat-out coach. That's the guy that can build a program. And uh, I know Nico Medved uh, was at Drake for a year or two and then moved to Colorado State. He basically took over that program and didn't skip a beat. You know, he brought them to new heights. And that's the, that's the kind of question you want. Like, do you want to bring a guy from a mid-major? And the thing is, it's never guaranteed coming from mid-major to the SEC, especially at that level. I mean, where you're competing against higher level talent, you have to get used to that. But at the same time, Porter Moser at Loyola did exactly that at Oklahoma 
got a lot of really good players to transfer in. Uh, the Groves brothers from Eastern Washington, I watched them play. They're really good uh, to, to the point where they're having immediate success. And that's not something you can really discount, too. But at the same time, it's not the same for everybody. Well, and, you know, tonight I was adding a new Squishmallow to my collection at my desk here in the newsroom, and I found a newspaper from uh, March, how fitting, last March, um, where the front page was just this big blow up about how King English was just hired for his first head coach, you know, head coaching job. Um, and you, you have to wonder how serious they might take you know, that kind of thing, because what I'm kind of seeing here is the same thing that we saw when Drinkwitz came in. On one hand, there were people who were thrilled, you know, and you're never going to get anyone who's 100% on board with any coach. Um, but there were people who were thrilled about Drinkwitz and, you know, what he could do for the program. And then there were other people who were like, well, you know, he's never coached in anything like the SEC before. What's he going to do here? And I, you know, you have to imagine, and you're already kind of seeing it now, a lot of, you know, the opinions on Kim English coming to Mizzou are very, very similar to that and to when Drinkwitz came in here. Yeah, and the similarities are striking to the point of where you you can look at Drinkwitz's profile coming in and, and hearing those people say, this is the next guy, this is the next big thing. And a lot of people are saying the same thing about Kim English and to the point where, he, I mean, he's, he's a head coach for one year. He didn't have the same success that Drinkwitz had in his one year at Appalachian State. He's 14 and 14, but I mean... You can't ignore the hot. Like you can't ignore the hot name that's at the forefront. And I mean, you can't ignore the fact that you know they came into Allen Fieldhouse, and what they did there compared to what Mizzou did there. For for context, wow. For context, Mizzou came to Allen Fieldhouse in December and lost by thirty eight. Kim English's George Mason Patriots came in as an Atlantic Ten school, his first year on the job, and lost by eight. And you can say, like, well, they still lost. Yeah, they still lost, but losing by eight as opposed to by 38? A single-digit number to Kansas, who yeah. I, I have them in my Final Four this year. I mean, Come you, on. You, you watch that team and you realize... I'm sorry, I'm sorry to the Mizzou fans who are now, like, you can hate me for that. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I mean, that's the point of, I mean, do you want to win Warren Buffett's million dollars out of the bracket? I do. And if you want to do it, you, you can't deny Kansas. You can't deny the skill. And again... We apologize, but in any case, you 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 have to look at that success and and just be like, okay, maybe he's onto something. He gets something, and it's never easy to take a program and turn it around and get 500 wins in the first year. It had been major, but at the same time, that that relative experience, you kind of you know, do you really want that? But at the same time, he spent time at Rick, under Rick Barnes at Tennessee. You know, his his coaching stock it doesn't just you know come up out of nowhere, but at the same time. You're also talking about someone who was here at Mizzou for some great seasons. This is a guy that understands the culture. He understands Mizzou. He understands Columbia. This is a guy that has heralded for his recruiting prowess, too. He's bringing top 100 players to George Mason in his first year. So you can say, well, yeah, the experience is one thing, but there's a reason he's a hot name. So if... If you're if you're looking at it, what what's the one thing that stand, what stands out to you more? Is it the success or is it the experience? Look, I mean, like, it, yes, it would be a risky hire, but at the same time, it would also be so promising and exciting. And I think that, you know, with again, it, it's funny because Kim English and I think uh, Konzo are very similar people in that they're so kind, but they just didn't have what it took for this program, um, and that's okay. But. You look at that and, you know, you kind of look at 
how many years, you know, Mizzou basketball has been lacking. And you think about how exciting it would get to it would be to get a coach like that in this program. You know, you need someone who's going to come in here. And, you know, the thing that I was kind of telling you is, you know, yeah, it sucks because Konzo was dealt with a really, really tough set of cards. You know, he came in here and had to turn whatever that was from the Kim, Kim English era around. But at the same time, you know, Drinkwitz had to come in here and turn what Barry Odom did around and he did it and then some. And and it's really, really hard to kind of justify that when, you know, that's an example that's right in front of you. Yeah, going from the, uh, Kim Anderson to Kim English years later, I mean, you, you just think about the, just the dichotomy of, uh, of what could be. Because, I mean, you look, you think back and you think about 107 victories in four years. That's what Kim English was part of when he was at Mizzou. Steve Moore, Marcus Denman, that was more wins by any senior class in Mizzou basketball history. Like, this is a guy that understands how to win at Mizzou. This is a guy that understands. Uh, granted, it was the Big 12 before going to the SEC, but at the same time, this is a guy that understands Mizzou. And when you talk about that, how much weight does that carry? Can you put up with some of the inexperience? Can you really trust in him as a recruiter? Really sounds like Drinkwitz, honestly, but that, that's just where it's coming from. And at the end of the day, we're going to find out because this is Desiree Reed Francois' first big move. We mentioned it before, and sh- this is something that she's going to be judged on because you can't. Uh, I mean, th- your first hire has to be the big one, and this is where when you think about it in two to three years, is it going to be Kim English? Because in that case, I think you give him more like four to five as a guy to like. Okay, get your feet wet. It's going to be tough the first year. So where do you go from there? It's almost nerve-wracking because, you know, I'm interested to see... I know we've got, like, kind of a taste of how she would make a hire in the SEC because she did that at Tennessee, but I'm interested to see how she makes a hire in this position with the state that this program has been in, you know, since Dorm Stewart. And it, it's, it's hard not to wonder. It's hard not to be curious. And it was, you know... She really proved something to Mizzou fans, and I know I said it in the beginning, I'll say it again. She proved something to Mizzou fans here by carrying out this fire and by saying, no, like you can't pull the he's my he's my friend card on me. I'm here and I want you to take me seriously. And that's that's big. I mean, this woman means business. Not only does she mean business, but I mean like yeah, this is I mean, this is the same person that I mean everybody everybody looks to to leaders like that in this in this kind of time and i think it speaks volume because i mean uh, throughout the week i mean you were hearing well like she said it before i believe she told powermazoo.com which is like hey like yeah we evaluate everything at the end of the season um and and you know that 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 is in his contract that at the end of every year they have to go in with the ad and they have to sit down and have a talk about the direction that the program is going underneath them and so that was something that we knew was coming up regardless which you know it's so hard to have this conversation after the year that they've had and say well, what happens if I give you one year? One year, you know, if you make promises here, are they going to be empty? Yeah, and now when you think about it, those promises are going to be what carries Mizzou to the next stage of Mizzou basketball. And right now, that's the most intriguing part, and I'm really looking forward to it. I don't know about you, but I mean, like, there's it's so interesting. It's not going to be as crazy as 
uh, last year's coaching cycle in, in college basketball. We know Drake, or excuse me, Duke, North Carolina, both losing their head coaches. But I mean, right now, this is this is where we're at right now. This is a new era. Desiree is going to be leading it, and you just have to watch and wait and see. So, well, and I I want to you know be a little more candid and say uh, you know for everyone who's listening, Chris has done a phenomenal job heading this sports section, and he's done it alone for a while. We're winding down and getting ready to bring a new someone in, but. You know, today it was largely just Chris who handled this, and you did a phenomenal job. Um, and, you know, this isn't the end. This is just the beginning. And, you know, the Tribune, we're here. We're going to cover the the searches. We're going to cover, you know, the whispers. And we're going to cover, you know, from the very first time they make it official to when that coach, you know, makes their grand entrance into Mizzou. And I'll be photographing it, and Chris will be writing about it and getting those quotes. And, you know, so... It'll be a really, really exciting thing to stick by. And, you know, it's also just really exciting to be part of, you know, the daily newspaper for Columbia and report on that for this city that, you know, cares so much about seeing this program turn around. Yeah, I do appreciate that. Thank you. But I mean, it's you can't do it by yourself. There's a whole slew of editors. There's a whole slew of digital operation friends. And there's a photojournalist that can (laughs) tell you things that I wouldn't know sitting on press row, especially uh getting to see Bruce Pearl for the first time. So <laughs> um but um so that that'll that's a good place to wrap up. I think we're gonna end that there and we're gonna talk a little bit a bit uh more about uh the new faces and the new friends we're gonna have at the Tribune, uh hopefully coming sometime soon and then at that point we'll introduce them to you when that happens. So um I mean until then, you know Follow the Tribune on Twitter. Follow our sports section on Twitter. That's CDT Sports. Um, And we're back on Instagram. So when we do get that new coach in and maybe even find some, you know, other features for that, that'll be on our Instagram. And that's Columbia Daily Tribune. Um, Chris is OchoK underscore on Twitter. (laughs) And uh, Madeline is at Fleetwood underscore Mad. So both have underscores in our name. That's where we're at. And for the next time, thank you for listening, friends, readers, listeners, subscribers. If you do subscribe, thank you so much. Please subscribe and read our work. Uh, If you do, it keeps us going and it keeps quality journalism going in Columbia. And for now, thank you. See you next time. We're going to bed. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.